Oh hey, you're listening to Pep Talk, a podcast launched during the national lockdown in April 2020 to celebrate and support our favourite New Zealand businesses. Join Grace Creft, ex-lawyer and former owner of Sweet Bakery and Cakery, to hear about how some of our favourite businesses built their brands, the ups and downs along the way, and what we can do to support them, both now and once business as usual returns. So, are you ready for a little pep talk on your coffee break? Then here's your host, Grace. After delving into the world of micro-mobility, hearing all about e-scooters a few weeks ago, I was very intrigued to complete the picture and hear a bit more about Mevo, which is the car sharing service. Eric, my guest today, along with his business partner Finn and a team of significant backers from Audi New Zealand to Z Energy, started Australasia's first free-floating car sharing service. So you reserve a car on the app on your phone, you unlock it with your phone, and then you just drive it for as long as you need it for. Best of when you're done you just park it wherever you like in the home zone with no parking fees it seems like it really ends up being cheaper than car ownership as well and you don't need to worry about getting a waff or the battery going flat in your driveway given that we only use our cars for an average one hour day four percent of the time that we own them for car sharing seems to make perfect sense plus it means that you get a fancy clean well-serviced car to jump into every time you drive dreamy Each Mevo car is replacing 10 private cars on the road, and given that transport contributes to 58% of Wellington's carbon emissions, this is going to make a huge difference. Eric is hugely passionate about the green economy and smart cities, so I'm really looking forward to picking his brain a bit in today's chat. Let's find out more. Hi Eric, welcome to Pep Talk. It's great to have you on for a chat today all about Mevo. I'm looking forward to hearing all about it but before we do uh, I like to warm up with a little bit of this or that on these episodes just to get you warmed up so are you ready for your questions yeah hey Grace great to be here thanks for having me on um yeah I'm I'm curious to hear what questions you've got because I've listened to a couple of your past episodes oh nice so you know a little bit of what to expect well this first one I chose just for you and it was and it is driving or walking oh it's hard (laughs) normally walking but i love to get out for a good drive when i can yeah especially in a nice car like the ones that you have on tap i guess yeah i guess it's just wellington such a good walking city it's just the times it's a little bit far to walk or it's a bit rainy and windy yeah (laughs) yeah always a problem yeah okay (laughs) next one might be a little bit easier for you we've got burgers or fries oh i'll take a burger any day (laughs) And that's interesting because I think some people, like, I heard this philosophy the other day about which one you eat first when you get both and whether you, like, start with the fries or the burger or you alternate. There's a whole lot behind it. (laughs) Oh, I mean, just to throw a spanner in the works, what if you put your chips in your burger? Ooh. There you go. (laughs) Wow. That's like quantum decision decision making on the burger fries front. I like that. I'm all about a chip sandwich, so I, I would not say no to that. Okay, next we've got, would you prefer free coffee or free Wi-Fi? Ooh, probably free coffee. Yeah, I'm going to run with free coffee, as long as it's good coffee. I think it's, I think this, the same rules apply. It's like the, um, the free Wi-Fi in the city. Yeah, I'd rather just not use it because it's so bad. And it's like if you get free, free crap coffee, I'd just rather not drink it. 
But if it's good Wi-Fi or good coffee, then, you know, you're winning on both fronts. Then it's worth it, yeah. And yeah. as long as you've got your phone uh, with your 3G or your 4G, then you can take the free coffee. You're fine. <laughs> winning, yeah. yeah. All right, last one for you. We've got form or function. A little bit of a philosophical one for you. Oh, I don't, I don't think they're, I don't think they're uh, removed. If you look at the stories of the Genesis object, which was the first first like piece of design it was both so i'm gonna i'm gonna rebel against the question <laughs> i'll allow you to rebel because you've got oh, you're very... you've got good reasons behind it yeah i agree yeah if you've done your job properly you've got both you should you need both yeah i'll allow it. <laughs> that was i was i was curious to see if there'd be any curly ones and you got me at the end <laughs> i was like it can't all be burgers or fries you know we have to step it up a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> all right so now i would love to begin with hearing a bit about how and when and the time that you guys were starting mevo so you started this business along with your co-founder finn i'm curious to know how did you guys meet were you friends before this or did you meet through this business coming to life yeah yeah uh we were friends before so um we both grew up uh, in Nelson, Motueka, Nelson area. Ah, beautiful. Um, and we didn't meet down there. We actually met up here, but found out when we did meet in Wellington that we had tons of friends in common, which was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, effectively, there'd been a, there'd been murmurs of, of a car share in Wellington and in New Zealand for a while. Um, there was one other car share provider who had been, been around for a few years, but the mode that we have, the free floating, didn't exist and so we decided it was something that was really important to building a great city and um looked like a fun challenge so were you looking for a for a business to start or were you was it when you saw that opportunity that you were like we can't go past that we've got to do it uh i i guess it was more a realization we both fairly recently graduated um from university and we're kind of getting into our first first jobs and stuff uh and we thought it was really important that this happened. We felt one of the things that was fundamentally broken with, with cities around the world is private car ownership. It just, when you look at it rationally, it just doesn't make sense if you're living in the city. And we kind of were like, oh, they'll do something about it. And then we were like, who are they? Because they're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we realized if it was going to happen, it was probably going to land on us. So we thought well that's a not only is it a good challenge but it's a it's a really if we can pull it off it's a great thing to contribute to our cities and it would be a great startup um so yeah we got got stuck in and <laughs> are, are still getting stuck in i guess <laughs> i like that i think I've, I've heard that come up before that kind of point you make about how often we, oftentimes we're like oh someone should really do this or or someone should really fix this and then at some point you kind of realize like oh maybe i could actually be that someone and maybe i should be the one that does it but i think a lot of the times you have an idea or a thought and you kind of just presume that someone else is on top of it <laughs> like someone else is going to take care of it but i like that you guys were like nah we're going to be the ones that are going to fix that. I think it just comes back to that form of function question. You know, like our, our whole thought was building beautiful cities that are, you know, both beautiful in form and function. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ones where just a, a car that is your second largest purchase and sits around 
96% of the time not being used. That's crazy. <laughs> and then also fills up all the space. You think about, you know, um, walking down the street and you see every single, we're so, we're so used to seeing them, every single car just parked sitting there um, all the time. It's just crazy when you think that could be gardens or cafe seating or pop-up coffee shops or anything else, you know, could have, <laughs> imagine a lawn bowls down the side of the street and some, you know, some happy lawn bowlers hanging out. That, that'd be a far better use than a car park, right? <laughs> I love that image. That's awesome. Yeah, when I was looking at, uh, you know, reading all about your business and everything, like it really did blow my mind, the the information that's out there about how much we actually use our cars. And, you know, I'm embarrassed to say we've got two of them. And, you know, if we're, we're only using them 4% of the time, that's that's pretty insane. So it really does add up when you think about it like that. I think it used to make sense when when the the key the real big issue was like swapping keys right like handing handing a key off or or the insurance but with digital technology and automation all that actually is just kind of done by robots these days like we just have with automation that takes care of it it makes it really simple i love that you unlock it with your phone it's just like mind blown that's the future right there <laughs> it feels pretty good yeah i bet so you chose wellington to be the first the place that you launched this. I'm interested to hear why you chose Wellington, as I am a Wellingtonian. So you're obviously not from Wellington, uh, but was there something about Wellington that, you know, the reason that you chose it, or did you just happen to be here at the time? I might actually, I might actually call you on that one. Um, I think Wellington's a like lovely, diverse, really interesting, colorful city. And I effectively, I grew up in, in Nelson, but Wellington was my, my go-to city growing up. Right. And then um, yeah. all of my university and early career was here as well. So I'd, I'd kind of say, you know, like many other people, I'm, I'm from Wellington by choice. <laughs> You're going to claim it. I like yeah, that. totally. Um, I've been here longer than anywhere else in my life. Um, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, we'll welcome yeah. you. We'll have you as a Wellingtonian. Ah, thanks. Um, I wasn't actually born here either, just to be just to be totally open with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's a city that just absolutely captures people, which is wonderful. Yeah, um, adopts people. Yeah. Yeah, and and from a business perspective, you know what we do is is probably not the cheapest company to start out with. Going going out and getting your hands on a lot of cars and then and um, putting them on the street. And the cool thing about Wellington is just how compact it is and the density is brilliant as well. So we were, we were both independently already living in Wellington. We had really good networks to help support setting the company up. And I think the people you surround yourself with in the early stages of a company is just so important. Um, and so we've had great people around us. And then again, coming back to that density and urban form, um, it meant we could get most of the city covered in our network uh, with a lot less cars. You know, to get the same, to give you a feel, to get the same number, the same density of cars in Auckland. If we were to cover off the CBD, Parna, Ponsonby, it'd be two to three times the number of cars we have in Wellington today, and that'd be a, and that'd be a starting position. Whereas, you know, we could prove the model in Wellington. Um, with far less capital early on so that was that was a huge one and then the other thing is just wellingtonians are really open-minded and you know always looking to do things a new way and try new things which is really cool yeah it seems to 
seems like it all came together really nicely and it yeah wasn't just one reason but it all came together that's cool so in terms of setting this up we've kind of you touched on that it's not a cheap job um and it sounds like a big job like finding investment and working with the council and buying all of these cards like none of that is going to be quick or easy so I guess it might be interesting to give us a bit of a rundown on what that process was like for you guys from uh, deciding to do this to getting that first car on the road what were kind of the, the key steps along the way that you guys had to hit yeah it was a it was a really interesting process because we we pretty much just started going well why isn't this happening what are the roadblocks and then mm. trying to trying to smash them down one at a time <laughs> um one of the really interesting things we found was straight off the bat you had to have uh, local council regulation or, or policy in place right. and so we got not only the first car sharing policy passed in Welling, in partnership with Wellington City Council um, in New Zealand, but then we had to go out and get um, the first free-floating car share policy yeah. passed, and that that's the only one in Australasia, so we're still, you know, it, it might have felt slow to us, but that was faster than, you know, the likes of Sydney or Melbourne or Auckland or, you know, anywhere else in the region, so that was that was a big piece of work, um, and and they were they were pretty awesome to work with, and we've got a similar policy passed in Auckland now as well. Um, but that that's a, the magic from the policy side that allows us to park our cars in any pretty much any council car park, and you can pick one up in Mount Vic and drive it up to Thorndon, or you know grab one at the airport and drive it into the CBD, and then just park in a metered car park and hit the button on your phone and walk away and kind of. There's this nice moment I've, I've like watched from afar people doing it where you get out and you walk away from the car and you look at the parking parking meter and kind of just smile at it and walk past as you, you know. <laughs> I don't need pretend. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because no one likes paying for parking. Um, so, yeah, that, that part was a big one. Um, the funding was obviously, you know, that was a big part because we needed to not only get venture funding to pay for the business expenses but then we needed to get asset-backed funding for the vehicles as well um and so we had a really brilliant partnership with um the giltrap group actually who have you know volkswagen and um audi and a number of other badges under under their banner so that was that was a really material part of getting off the ground and uh, of course zed energy is our major investor as well um so those were all those were all big parts of it um, and then just constant product development and evolution. It's kind of never ending really. <laughs> and building a team, I guess as well. It's not just you guys anymore. How quickly did you bring on extra people to do it with you? Yeah. Oh, I mean, the team we have are, are incredible. So the first hire we had who he's effectively, you know, Finn and I might have started the company, but he's a third founder without <laughs> without a question. Um, so he, we brought him on when we first went full time. Um, Phil, who he's our head of operations, um, and has this like awesome experience. It's quite a cool little trifecta of experience between us because he has all the operations and a background in how the rental car industry works and and stuff like that. Finn is. Finn is the tech side and then business strategy and funding is, is a lot of um, where I spend my time. So we, the three of us were on it for the six months before we put our first three cars down. Um, 
and then we brought on a head of community and then just kind of slowly added you know one or two people in here and there as as great people turned up and as we we found we needed a an extra hand but it's quite i think you know a lot of people who have started and grown businesses would recognize that they or or kind of sympathize with the fact that you have one job and one person and then all of a sudden that one person's job turns into three people's full-time jobs and you're like how did i manage that and then the same thing happens again those three people's jobs turns into you know nine full-time positions exponentially like, growing yeah. yeah yeah and that's always a challenge to balance like when do you get to that tipping point that you know you do take that person's job and bring in two more people to help them with it and there's always mm-hmm. a bit of an uncomfortable patch in the middle where everyone's a little <laughs> yeah. bit stretched and not sleeping very much but and then you and then you get that relief when when you can kind of take that next step so yeah I can yeah that for sure. but i think um you know initially starting this out the thought of putting cars down and and changing the way our city works because every every car that we deploy if you look at all the research it takes 10 private cars off the network mm. um That's so cute. people either sell their car or choose not to buy one but either way the the total number of cars is reduced 10 to 1. um and i thought that part would be the thing that got me really excited along with um our carbon impacts but building building a team and a culture and a little family and you know that's that's pretty incredible and just seeing that develop and and seeing an idea become you know other people take it on as part of part of how they spend their days it's pretty cool it's a really special feeling and you you make that sound easy but it's really not like building a, a culture is is a definitely a unique skill so it's fantastic that you've found a passion in that space as well i guess so i think we've touched a bit on how it works from a customer end in terms of using the app and unlocking with your phone and everything but i think for people listening they are obviously consumers so it would be really interesting to hear give us a quick rundown on how this works from the customer end like i if i want to use one of your cars what does that look like for me? Well, we um, we wanted to make sure it was as easy as possible. And the other thing that I think is really important is a lot of people can can go out and buy their own car and own their own car. And that experience is pretty good. Like owning a car can be great. Um, but we wanted to make sure whatever we put forward, it had to be easier and better in in a lot of ways than owning a car. And so like the first part is signing up which our goal is to have the entire process take less than 90 seconds and i think right now we're (laughs) we're at between 120 and 180 seconds right and and to put that into to put that into context that's all of the all of the stuff that needs to be done so driver's license payment verification insurance and that's for that's for a pretty expensive asset being handed over. We're giving people, you know, digital keys to a, a brand new Audi. Um, and compare that with with the time it takes to hire a car. You know, like a traditional car hire, that takes so long and it's so frustrating. So I, yeah, ninety seconds yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. So we're we're almost there. We're getting pretty close to the ninety seconds point. But that's you know you only ever have to do that once. And, and then once you've got the app on the phone and you're uh, like a registered user, which like I said, you know, a matter of minutes at the moment, um, then you just open the app, find the closest car, which is, you know, if you're in, in the city, we have what, what we call a home zone. So that's where cars can be picked up or dropped off. 
um, from, and that covers everywhere from Thornton up to Kelvin, down to Mount Cook, Mount Thick, Newtown, um, and up into Oriental Bay, and we're constantly expanding that as well. Um, you just open the app and press reserve, and we hold a car. There's always one close by. They're usually like two to 300 meters away, um, sometimes closer, and it holds the car for up to 30 minutes. So you know, I don't know if anyone else is like, run someone else down for the the scooters because you can't reserve them in <laughs> yeah. the, in advance and you're like please be there when i get there please you get there and it's just there. gone yep yeah 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 so um then you walk up to the car and press unlock on your phone that's it and drive off and and you're ready to go yeah and then you can like like i was saying before you can drop off pretty much anywhere in that home zone you want. And then there's the airport as well. So it's not a pick up and bring back to the same place. It's a, you can either just do a, you know, a two minute hop across town or you can take it for, you know, I took one up to Telpo for the weekend and did a bit of a ticky tour around and then brought it back and dropped it off somewhere completely different. So yeah, <laughs> that's so kind cool. of every, the idea is it's just like, it's your car when you want it, but when you don't need it, you don't even think about it. And I think being able to leave it somewhere, like leave it anywhere, I think that's such a valuable feature. And I guess that's why, you know, you really pushed for that free floating uh, policy to go through because that just is a bit of a game changer, I imagine, for, for how it operates, just being able to park it as if it was your own car right by your office or you show up or whatever and not pay for parking, like you said, is, is just amazing. And I think there's also not just the parking aspect, but money-wise, I gather that you can save quite a lot of money as a, like, compared with being a car owner um, with, with using Mevo instead of your car. And then obviously you don't have to worry about getting a WAF or the battery dying and all that. I mean, it sounds like a dream from a, from a customer end. I'm interested to hear what the customer feedback has all been like so far have you finding that many people are ditching their cars completely and, and just using mevo yeah so we see kind of two two user cases which is um either it's a family like your like yourself you mentioned you've got you've got a family in two cars so people who are close by will often drop the second car because they find they only use the second car when they you know when they need it um and the first car is being being used for something so that works really well and then for one car families they they often just ditch the car altogether and choose choose to go with us and so we're seeing yeah a lot of um a lot of the users after they sign up will often sell their car and we're we're getting pretty close to doing doing something around the fact where we might just say to people look if you sell your car we'll give you five five hundred dollars worth of mevo credit that's awesome like that's a pretty good motivator and it ties yeah. into our vision of building beautiful cities because beautiful cities don't have lots of cars in them like when you think about a beautiful city if you imagine the picture in your head and i say los angeles or milan like those are two very different mental images and one has lots of cars and one doesn't right and so everything we can do to make sure people have the ability to get around when they need to have a car and that freedom when they want it. But our city isn't filled with cars. That's, that's an awesome outcome. And from a customer in, that's a big behavior change. Like talking about ditching your car, we're saying it very freely, but actually that's, that's a big decision for someone to make. Um, and it's really like a, a whole new way of living, I guess, because it's very deeply ingrained in our culture 
and maybe especially in New Zealand, I don't know, but getting like your first car when you learn to drive or inheriting, you know, a hand-me-down car from an, an older sibling and things like that. What's your kind of plan as a business for that? behavior change you've mentioned that you know the incentive idea which is fantastic of of offering a cash credit if you give up your car but is there is there any other um strategies that you guys have in the business for that behavior change piece here's the thing it sounds like a really big behavior change um but it's it's really not i so i live in mount Vic, and there's always kind of three or four cars within 100 200 meters of my house um, Which wouldn't and, be that different to if you'd parked your car on the street there, because it would still be 200 meters away. Exactly. And with the coupon parking and the fact that our cars can be parked anywhere in Mount Thick in, in a coupon zone, I literally like open my phone when I need a car that feels like it's my own. And all our cars, we've got either Volkswagen Polo or an Audi um, A3. They both feel really familiar. Um, it's not like you're getting in you know, like a teeny tiny little hatchback one day and then a giant SUV the next and then a van another day and the, the blinkers and the window wipers are on the wrong side and everything feels super familiar. So it does, it does just feel like your car. And usually like, usually it's, um, you know, compared to the, the inherited car that you got from an older sibling <laughs> it's it's a little bit nicer as well like they're a lot nicer probably yeah. <laughs> yeah and so it kind of just feels like an upgrade but it's still there the only thing is i guess my question to you grace is when was the last time you cleaned your car oh you don't want to know and i have a two-year-old <laughs> as well so it's it's horrible there's crackers everywhere yeah versus like and I, i'd be the same like i was terrible at keeping keeping my car clean when i owned one but um you know, our cars are cleaned a couple times a week. So you're always getting into this like brand new, really nice and clean car, but it's super familiar because it's the same, the same make and model that you've been driving, you know, since you signed up. And um, it's actually not that, it's not that different except for you have free parking everywhere in the city because you, and if you want to drive into town and have a few beers and then leave the car parked on, you know, Vivian Street or Lambton Key or, you know, that's fine. Just leave it there. Just forget it's, forget it's there. So it's the driving experience is, is like owning a car, but with all these ridiculous added perks. Upgrades. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good way of thinking about it. Yeah. So that we've, we've thought, we've thought about just keeping it easy and keeping mm. it simple. And that's what it really has to be. I agree. Especially, yeah, like, and you're asking people to, to, to take this on, then, yeah, it needs to work seamlessly. Um, and I imagine that, like, from the outside, you know, everything kind of looks like it runs like magic. <laughs> but I guess on the inside, there's a lot happening. Like, you must be all the maintaining and the checking and the cleaning and the moving all the cars and recharging them because you've got hybrids in there. Uh, and then plus on top of that, you've got the technology part of everything, running, keeping that all running. Um how how's that all go has has there been any speed bumps which was a really oh, bad look, pun sorry yeah. along the way <laughs> oh there's there's plenty of drivers of puns in this business it's terrible um we've had <laughs> I bet. yeah there's been there's definitely been little bits and pieces that have come up and i think a few of our users have experienced times when it hasn't worked quite right but the thing we put in as a backup is we just have this amazing and i'm just blown away by 
by them all the time, but this amazing group of our, our team that's customer support. And they just make sure it's make sure it's right by the customer. And that's because both Finn and I come from a hospitality background where you, you just make sure people are taken care of and they leave happy. And, you know, if wherever you can, you try and, you know, anticipate what they need before they know they need it, right? Um, and so we've always said that if we get something wrong, it's a chance to build trust because, you know, if someone, if like a company always gets everything right, that's really good. But when a company gets something wrong and they make it right, that's when you really build a lot of trust with them. So true. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're a startup and, and we're constantly iterating and we're constantly evolving. So we'll get, we'll get a few things wrong here and there, but we always do what we can to just make sure we take care of people. I think that's the important part. Yeah, definitely. Customer first, especially at the moment. And do you, do you have many problems with damage to the cars and things like that? Or like what, what if someone gets a speeding ticket or something? When they're driving? So uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, you mentioned magic before, um, and that's that's the real kind of magical part of tech is a lot of it's just automated. It just we build automation for that. So when we get a speeding ticket comes in that comes in, it just get gets automatically passed on to the customer with all of the information. And And you know exactly who is driving it at that time. Exactly. And um so that all kind of works in the background and we just constantly find these little bits and pieces of the like vehicle ownership experience and automate them um so whether it's running predictive analytics on the city to know when more cars are likely to be needed in one area or you know when more cars are likely to be dropped off in another area and then working out how to balance those all of that stuff we just we just build automation for and it's um it's quite a cool process it's really interesting to see how a city like wakes up and moves and and um goes throughout its day in terms of that it's a whole different way of looking at a city yeah it's, it must be fascinating to see all the stats and info and then using that to create a better customer experience i guess as well and and using the technology that i'd love to hear a bit about what's next for mevo i guess still kind of pretending we're still in like business as usual mode before COVID hit what was your bigger picture plan for everything with mevo was it more cities or or overseas kind of using wellington as a blueprint and and replicating what did that look like for you guys yeah bang on that's that's pretty spot spot on to what we're working on and i think the thing a bit about what's next also from what's what we've done and how that fills in so we're just i mean it was we would have been another month ahead on this um had the last few months not <laughs> quite of as good as they were yeah. but um we were the first company in the world to effectively coin the term climate positive so a lot of people will know about carbon emissions and um climate change and, and greenhouse gas emissions and some people will know about businesses that are carbon neutral so that's i i always like to think of it like um like a university flat, right? Like you're, you're kind of sharing the world with these businesses that you choose to support. And um, a company that that doesn't take care of its carbon is kind of like your messy flatmate. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. they leave a few dishes around and sometimes <laughs> they come home real late and they're real loud and you kind of clean up after them. But you're like, oh, Begrudgingly, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then carbon neutral is kind of like, yeah, they're a good primate. They they do their own dishes and, and whatnot. 
they clean up their own mess, right? Because businesses are, are profiting from our custom. Um, and part of d delivering that service is, is the emissions. Um, and then everyone probably, I hope for everyone's sake, had a flatmate who was just bloody excellent. You know, like <laughs> if they were doing their dishes, they'd just, they'd just do yours and wouldn't say anything about it, you know? And then you'd, you'd, and that sense of kindness and like giving a little bit more than you take. Um, and then you do the same in reverse. And then, you know, by, by third year, hopefully you've got a couple of those people in your flat and you're, <laughs> you're just a really lovely little flat. Um, and, and that's kind of how we wanted to approach it. So we coined this term climate positive and actually quite, quite a cool story at the same time, a company in, um, Scandinavia had done the same thing and then we got in touch and we're like, oh, we're doing it at the same time. And yeah, exactly. And we've been working together with them to support other businesses becoming climate positive as well. So the idea is that for every one of our customers, every time they take a car out and drive it, which is, you know, actually a really big part of our carbon emissions as a country, um, we monitor all of the emissions that have been produced and that's everything from the full life cycle so the car being produced getting the car to new zealand and then fueling the car while it's here as well as considering the disposal emissions of the car so we take into account all of that and then we do everything we can to reduce it so the 10 to 1 car thing is a huge reduction straight away so we say great well you know there's a normal car is about 12 ton to produce um whereas an ev is about 15 on average and we go, well, if instead of our one car being here, people were using private cars instead of, you know, 12 ton or 15 ton of emissions, it'd be 120 or 150 tons. So straight away, we reduce as much as we can. And the same with the operations. And then we offset not just the emissions that we create, but we build in an extra 20% so that we're like, we're like that good flatmate who's just doing a little bit extra to make everything better. So in that sense, we, we become regenerative and we're regenerating the climate as much as we can, which is, um, you know, just little bits and pieces here and there. Every trip does a little bit better instead of a little bit worse for the climate. And unlike, you know, when you, when you fly and you can choose to offset your carbon as, or not, which is kind of like choosing to do your dishes or not in this analogy, we just build it in. It's just, it's, it's not optional. It's just, you're always pulling more carbon out than you emit when you use our service. So we're just, we're just wrapping up the last, our last year's emissions accounting, which I'm really excited about because we always get, we grow so fast that we always get this, um, this big number of carbon tons saved so that that's the next little that's bit awesome. yeah yeah and working with um companies as well so we've got some really cool companies coming on board and selling their fleets and then just opting to use our cars when they need them and then their staff can grab them in the evenings and the weekends and it makes so much sense for a business like now it just seems really old school for a, a big firm to own you know 10 cars that they keep in the basement most of the time that yeah it makes total sense <laughs> Well, you just think about those companies that um, their their staff drive their cars to work and park in a car park and leave their, their personal cars there a whole day. And then they go out and they grab a fleet car that's been sitting there all weekend and every night. <laughs> and they take it out during the day and then they bring it back at the end of the day and swap cars again. That's like, yeah. 
it's um it's a really different way of doing it but so yeah getting some really cool companies on um now and then yeah auckland's not too far away and um we have some plans for some international expansion as well after that that's so exciting yeah, yeah so auckland is all kind of poised to launch soon right it's all like the website's up and you and you're almost ready to go is that right yeah yeah a lot of it's just about um getting a few last bits and pieces in order so working with auckland transport who obviously are the the policy partners and um securing a little bit more funding which we've got pretty close to pretty close to landing which is cool but i think the customer uptake in auckland just is such a bigger market um and the need for cars is a bit more i think than in wellington um so it should it should go really well and the other thing is being able to as a member know that you've got a car waiting for you at the auckland airport even if you live in wellington or vice versa like that that means again it it goes back to that idea of being better than owning a car because not many people own a car in two in two different cities yeah yeah and like i mentioned before you know having to go through that whole higher car process when you're heading up to auckland for a day it just isn't it really awful disproportionate i hate it every time i have to do it so yeah i love the idea that next time hopefully i'll be able to just jump in a amiibo at the airport and then leave it outside the place i go to and it's not my problem anymore that's just awesome i love that i can't wait so now we better head back into the real world and look a bit at COVID 19 and and the impact that this has had on mevo i know that you guys were hard by that level four lockdown because mevo unfortunately wasn't listed as an essential service so the car sharing scheme wasn't able to operate which is so tough because these people that you know some people have like we've talked about have given up their cars to use mevo and then all of a sudden they they can't get to work or to help someone so maybe can you tell us a bit about what that time was like for you guys and and what you kind of ended up doing during that time yeah i mean i think just speaking to the the shutdown first and foremost like we just wanted to make sure we were doing our bit to to ensure as a country we were getting on top of it and doing everything we could to fight fight against um, the virus. And that was probably one of the most frustrating parts is I, I think um, there was an amazing effort done by the, the government in championing that. And they basically rebuilt the economy from, well, not the economy, but they reconsidered it all in a matter of about a week. Um, but, and in doing that, you're gonna get some things wrong. They got a lot right, a lot of things right, but um, shutting us down was absolutely the wrong thing to do. Um, and they put a lot of people in greater risk and danger than they needed to, which was really, so from a business standpoint, it made more sense for us to just shut. Um, the cost of running the fleet versus uh, the, the revenue we gained from that didn't actually stack up. <laughs> but we knew that our members had given up a lot of them, their private vehicles, because they knew they could rely on us. And we also knew that we had, you know, a lot of them came back and said, hey, you closing actually puts us at such great risk because we're vulnerable or immunocompromised or, and and we we have to sit in a ride hail vehicle with someone who's not in our bubble. How does that make any sense? Um, so we were we were really moral bound to go out and we were probably one of the few businesses that publicly fought against the essential service listing um because it just didn't stack up but and that was really hard to know that we had made a commitment to our members and because of 
a government position, we weren't able to fulfill that. And, and one that didn't make sense was, was challenging. And so that was a really frustrating thing. Um, but what we did, what we were able to do was effectively do a quick pivot and just get our vehicles on, on long-term leases to essential service workers over that period. So we had um, some doctors and some nurses and some people on the, on, um, you know, fire brigade and, and things like that, who had a really nice, very clean car that they could isolate themselves in. So they weren't even sharing it with members of their bubble um, and keeping them and their, their bubble safer uh, to get around during that period. Um, so from an operation standpoint, that's what we did, but it was, it was a big hit on, on revenue. Um, but uh, every business in New Zealand pretty much experienced that. And then from a product side, outside of pivoting how we delivered the car, we went, look, we believe in our, our company, we believe in our product. We don't need to totally change what we're doing. And we just doubled down on all of, all of the product development we had already built in our, in our roadmap. And so some of the features that we're going to be, we're going to be sending out in the next couple of weeks and the next month or two is just, we, we probably did a, at, at least three to six months worth of work over that period that uh, otherwise we would have just had, you know, there's the other distractions and the noise that goes on. So it was, um, from that side, it was, it was really productive. Such a, a smart way to do things. And I guess from a customer in that it's just such a fantastic approach and I'm not surprised having heard your approach in general with the business and how customer centric it is but that seems to be what smart businesses have been doing during this time like looking at this huge problem from from that customer perspective like what's going to best serve our customers at this time and and what can we do to help them and I love that you were still able to find some way to to help these people that have kind of put their faith in you to offer them you know to give them this service and and you could still do that and so now we're in level two of course and so that I, I presume means the cars are back on the road and have you seen a big resurgence in use since we entered level two and have had you have you had to make any big changes to the way things are operating at this time uh i mean we we started operating straight into level three we were able to kick back off um but it was really it was really quiet during those first first couple of weeks of level three we saw you know some some pickup but we had prepared all of our health and safety um, procedures to keep people safe in level four. So we knew that with the risks at level three and now level two, we were already far in excess of what was expected. So we've done some pretty cool things. Like we brought out these German manufactured, um, it's called UVC. So it's, it's a, like a light, it's a really high intensity light wavelength that kills the virus. And actually what it does is, you know, the problem is when, if someone gets the virus that it then replicates obviously and, and infects them. And so the light actually mutates the DNA of the virus um, so that it can't replicate. And they're using it in, they, they use it really widely in, in hospitals in Wuhan and Boeing uses it in their airplanes to sterilize um, the bathrooms in between the toilets in between each use really cool really cool yeah. technology um and so we use really high uh 70 isopropyl alcohol cleaning on the vehicles but the fabric is is the part that you can't clean with a spray especially um, not if you need it to be used again quite quickly afterwards exactly mm. 
Exactly. So we've brought in some really cool technology, which we think is probably like, you know, certainly leading leading within New Zealand on transport grooming um, and safety and probably on world leading as well. Um, and yeah, we're, the other thing is because the cars are, you know, you get in the car and it's only yourself and whoever you might be with, um, you're not exposed to another driver who's, you know, experiencing dozens of people, maybe an hour. Um, that also keeps people a lot safer. So again, it's that that thing about keeping our members as safe as we can. Um, and that's actually seen, you know, obviously public transport's really heavily, um, uh, the capacity's decreased at this time as well. So we've been, we've been seeing a good uplift and we should be returning to kind of pre-COVID level training trading in in the pretty near future it's not there yet but it's definitely growing pretty quickly which is cool oh that's really good yeah it sounds like you've just used this time so wisely and also adapted really quickly the whole way through which i'm sure will serve you well going back into into everything else so i always like to finish up by letting people know who are listening how they can support the businesses that we're hearing about so i guess the key one for you guys is just try mevo like you don't need to have a, a weekly subscription or anything you can just download the app give it a try next time you're in, in wellington or, or soon auckland um is that the best thing that we can do right now is and is there anything else that we can do to support mevo at the moment yeah no so if people wanted to just download the app and give it a try and see how it works and um then share it with their friends because all of us know someone who you know might have had a car that just came to the end of its life or they might be thinking about buying another car um that or if people are thinking about transport options for work, just every trip helps us helps us grow a little bit more. And the cool thing is every trip helps us kind of do that little bit to regenerate the environment too. Yeah, absolutely. And that that word of mouth thing must be huge for you because I know when it's something like this, just hearing a friend that's tried it is so, it helps you know, give you the confidence to give it a go. So. Thanks, Eric. So before we do wrap everything up, it would be really cool if you could share with us a bit of a piece of advice or maybe a favorite quote you have, something that you've learned along the way through this this journey that you've had with Mevo that, that might help inspire us here. Well, I think my favorite is, um, and it's, it's really kind of core to who we are as well, as um, kindness has a great return on investment. So our uh, <laughs> our first founding principle was like, to found on kindness and it's it's represented in how we how we work with our members but it's also represented with um how we approach our climate positive perspective and you know that idea of just giving back a little bit more than you take and a world full of people giving back a little bit more than they take is a is a world i want to live in so i might i might stick to that one Oh, I love that. And yeah, I think, you know, you wouldn't on the face of it, if you looked at, you know, a car company, a car sharing company, you wouldn't think that found, that kindness was kind of one of those founding principles. But um, I, I love that it is. And just having talked to you today and, and heard your journey and your and your values and everything, I, I think that's really come across. So I, you're getting it right. You're, you're definitely Aww, doing thank that. thank you. <laughs> so thank you so much, Eric, for jumping on. I really do appreciate you joining us for a chat. I think your vision for Wellington and Mevo and, and where you can take it and the world in general thank you for sharing that I know that we'll definitely be giving Mevo a go and keeping an eye on on what happens up in Auckland and and overseas as well I can't wait to hear all about it so take care and thank you Eric yeah thanks so much for having me on absolute pleasure 
Oh, that was such a cool chat. I really loved so many aspects of what Eric shared today. But I think what really stood out to me, especially in today's world, was that this huge startup business with these crazy big corporate backers is founded on values like kindness. I think that that really showed in my chat with Eric and his approach, especially during the COVID-19 crisis. And I really respect and admire that. Thanks to Eric for sharing his time today and for you for having a listen. Next time you spot a Mevo car, maybe give it a try. Who knows? You might be the next one to ditch your car as well. As always, please do hit subscribe and leave a review if you can. I'm so grateful for all your support for Pep Talk. I am loving it. I hope that level two is treating you well and you're staying safe out here. Until next time, bye.